I think most of us, if not all of us, at some point have stood in front of a proverbial fork in the road and wondered which way. Lord, which way? I know I have prayed that prayer myself. We have prayed it together as a family when we moved countries and moved cities and and we saw two open doors and we stood there and said, Lord, we want the one that you want for us. And, and the list really goes from seriousness of really want to make a decision of which treatment you receive for that disease or, or which college that you go to, which spouse will you marry, which job would you take, which city or in some cases which country that you move to. And the list goes on and on and on. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking of Yogi Berra, who really had the gift of confusion. And he said that when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Big help. Like the boy who asked his father, he says, Dad, how would I know that God's speaking to me? And the wise father thought for a minute, and then he said, "Um, God speaks through your mother. Listen to her. (laughs) That man will survive. But as we continue in this series of messages, we are looking through the effectual prayers of the saints in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, as we continue in this series. And we looked in the last message of the prayer of Daniel, that incredibly effectual prayer that Satan was trying to hinder its answer, but he failed, and God succeeded. And then the answer came in due course for, to Daniel, and God privileged him not only to answer his prayer, but also to show him a vision for what is to come of the coming of the Messiah. And so we come today to this very first prayer recorded in the Bible. I'm sure there were people before Eliezer have prayed, but this is the first one that is really recorded. And I want you to turn with me, please, to Genesis 24. It is of vital importance to understand that this trusted chief of staff, this man is not just a servant, he was the chief of staff of all of Abraham's household. He was entrusted by him to go and find a wife for the son of promise, Isaac. Now, i got to tell you something. If you have not picked on this being an incredible field of landmines, you haven't focused on the passage yet. I'm telling you, put yourself in that situation. Uh, He's going to choose a wife. And so after she comes home, and the first time Isaac and Rebecca would have a bad day, guess who they're going to blame? It's Eliezer. It's his fault. And his name would be dirt throughout the land. (laughs) It's like the little girl, second grader, who was asked to write an essay on the Quakers. And she basically wrote a few sentences. It went like this, Quakers are very meek people, and they never fight back or never answer back. My father is a Quaker, but my mother is not. (laughs) (laughs) Giving away family secrets in essays. This guy, Eliezer of Damascus, was in an unenviable position. By the way, somebody asked me, said, how do you get his name? Chapter 24 doesn't say anything about who he is. Well, in chapter 15, verse 2, it gives you all about him. Eliezer the Damascus. In fact, when Abraham basically gave up hope that God is going to answer him and give him a son of promise, Isaac, he said to God, he said, 
you know, what am I going to do now? This Eliezer the Damascus, he's going to inherit my estate. So he was literally the heir apparent. He's a right-hand man of Abraham. He was not just any old person. And here in Genesis 24, you see this poor guy, Eliezer of Damascus, in a pickle. I mean, really in a pickle. Some of you might be in a pickle today. Some of you may be at a crossroad today. Some of you may be standing in front of this proverbial fork in the road, and you're wondering which way to go, which way to turn. Some of you perhaps are crying. It's like somebody said to me years ago. He said, I wish that God would just send a gust of wind and take me which direction He wants me to go. And to make things harder for Eliezer, his master Abraham was very specific in his direction of where to find the wife. And not only that, make sure that Isaac doesn't go there, but she comes here to Canaan because it's a land of promise. Why? You see, when he left his home and went to Canaan, Abraham saw the Canaanite wives, and he said, no way will my son of promise, the son of the covenant, is going to marry one of them. They were so wicked They were so evil that he knew they would turn his heart against the Lord. And he said, no Canaanite woman for my son. Therefore said that this boy is going to inherit the covenant. He is the son of promise. And therefore, he cannot have a wicked woman. So he sends his chief of staff to the land of Ur of Chaldeas, where he knew there were godly women there. Listen carefully. I know this is a message with a series of messages on prayer. And we saw the effectual prayer of a righteous man in the last message. And here we're going to see the effectual prayer of another righteous man. And while it is generally about discerning the will of God, let me just speak for a moment or two to the single folks. Before you make a list of qualifications for the perfect future spouse, make sure that she or he is what God wants for you. Amen? I remember several years ago, a precious lady showed me her list. I looked at her and I said, there is not a man on the face of the earth that qualifies for that list. And so, my beloved friends, I want to tell you something. Go to the Lord. Ask Him what He wants to give you His choice. I know some people don't want to risk that. You say, well, how can you risk it? Listen to me. I know human nature only too well. Well, Just listen. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't want to pray for the will of God because you're worried that God's will, and He may give you what you don't want. Listen. But when you marry the spouse that God wants for you, you will have gotten the best for you. Amen? Amen? years ago, I fasted and I prayed, and I asked the Lord to give me the wife of His choice, and He gave me the best for me. Amen. Today, I want to focus on the biblical foundation of that prayer of the foundation of the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah, and in the next message, I'm going to examine that prayer a little bit more closely. But the reason I couldn't get away from by giving this just in one message. Is because the Bible teaches that Isaac is a type of Christ. And that is why 
there are many wonderful parallels between the story of Isaac's search for a bride through the ministry of his father's servant and the Holy Spirit of God seeking out a bride for Christ from among both the Jews and the Gentiles. I wish I had the time to go through these parables, that list. When you go home, read Acts 15, 14 and 2 Corinthians eleven two. You see, the choice of a bride for Isaac through whom the Messiah is going to come has to be a deliberate choice. It had to be a thoughtful choice. It had to be a careful choice. It had to be a perfect choice. It's that choice had to be God-arranged, God-ordained, and God-sustained. That choice had to be done in utter dependence on the sovereign plan of God and the sovereign love of God. In the same way, the Holy Spirit chooses each one of us to be part of the bride of Christ. I want you to hear me right. Did you know that God knew you by name before the foundation of the earth? That God chose you by name before He created Adam and Eve? That God loved you by name before all of creation was ever made? That God loved you by name way before you were gleam in your mother's eye? <laughs> and when you comprehend that, when you focus on that, when that becomes the focus of your life, you're going to live above all of the circumstances of life. And the reason people don't take their salvation seriously is because they really do not comprehend their salvation. They think, well, they made a very good choice choosing God. I mean, how good you are to make that choice, huh? And they pat themselves on the back until they break their elbow. No, my beloved, listen to me. When you begin to comprehend that He tenderly loved you, that He tenderly called you, that He tenderly chose you, that He tenderly wooed you, And it's the same reason why some people don't take their marriage vows very seriously. You see, because they do not take their salvation very seriously. The first thing Eliza did was declare his utter dependency on the sovereign choice of God for a bride for his master's son. But before I get to the prayer even, I want to transport you. I hope that you kind of use your imagination and come with me, you know, 4,000 years ago, in the time when Abraham has lived. And you see, back then, they did not have dates at the disco. You see, back then, there were no passionate moments at the movies. You know, back then, when they married, you know, the man was not trying to impress a woman with his washboard abs. No. Back then... They did not marry out of emotional hurricane with an urge to merge. No. No, 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 no. You see, back then, women did not try to be what they're not until they got married. No, 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 no. No. Back then, a spouse was carefully chosen for character, chosen for faithfulness, for commitment. A spouse was carefully chosen for upbringing and reputation, and that is why Abraham said, go back to the earth of Chaldeas. You know, early days of my ministry, and just remember, I was ordained to the ministry at the age of 26. And you know, when I was young, I really kind of spoke my mind, (laughs) said what I thought, and and I was not as guarded as I am now, but... uh, (laughs) 
And I was associate pastor in a very large parish in Sydney, Australia. I never turned down anybody, whether it be funerals or weddings, whatever. I never. T- I just saw a great opportunity for me to share Christ with them. And the same thing with weddings. And they would come to me, and, and I would ask them a question. Why do you want to get married to each other? And I remember one guy back in 1975, he looked at me and said, uh, uh, she sure can dance. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad I didn't tell him what I was thinking. (laughs) What happens if you meet somebody who's a better dancer, right? Well, the first thing Eliezer did was pray. It wasn't the last resort. It was the first thing. He prayed. The first thing Eliezer was doing, he was seeking the Lord. He was seeking the will of God, the mind of God. The first thing Eliezer did, ask Lord, what is your will? Lord, give me direction. Remember, this is the first recorded prayer in the Bible. And here's how he prayed. Oh, Lord, the God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think Eliezer of Damascus learned how to pray like this? Where do you think he learned how to trust Yahweh's direction like this? Where did he learn how to seek the strength of God? Where did he learn all of this? From the head of his household, of course. His master, Abraham. Moms and dads, would you listen to me just for a few minutes? I'm a dad who who made a ton of mistakes. But listen to me. Your children will learn to trust in the Lord by watching how you trusting in the Lord. Your children will develop confidence in the Lord's leadership in their life by watching you having confidence in His leadership in your life. Your children will learn to lean on the Lord during confusing times when they watch you leaning on the Lord during those confusing and difficult times. Your children will grow up to be prayer warriors because they watch you how you pray. Your children will learn to go to the throne room of God before they make every decision just by watching you going to the throne room of God before you make decisions whether they are big or small. Beloved, listen to me, leaders, pastors, Sunday school teachers, mentors, please listen. People will model your life more than they treasure your words. The people will walk in your footsteps more than they talk about your eloquence. Obviously, to Abraham, prayer was a lifestyle, not the last resort. And Eliezer watched Abraham's prayer life, and he learned from it. And that is why Eliezer begins his trip with prayer. He begins his journey with prayer. He continued in prayer. He prevailed in prayer. He based the whole journey in prayer. Uh, No doubt throughout the six weeks journey, 
across the blazing heat of the desert, he no doubt he constantly prayed. In the early hours of the morning he prayed. At noontime he prayed. In the cool of the night he prayed. In the middle of the night he prayed, Lord, I'm dependent on you. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Lord, you are the covenant maker and covenant keeper, God. Lord, you have been so faithful to your promises that you made to my master Abraham. I watched how you kept your word, Lord, to him. And you promised him 25 years ago to give him a son, and you kept your word even though he was an old man. Lord, you have been a source of all of his blessings. Lord, because of your character and because of who you are, I know that you will not let me down. You will not allow me to make a mistake. Lord, I know you will not allow my flesh to make the choice. Lord, your choice, not mine. Lord, what you want, not what I want. Lord, your will, not mine. But then there's a second thing here I don't want you to miss. He began with utter dependence on God. The second thing he did is, is, as he prayed, he kept on traveling. He kept on going his destination. He did not sit on his blessed assurance and said, well, the first woman will come my way, will do. No, he kept on going. He kept on going. He says, I know where my destination is, and that's where I'm going to go. I will not stop until I get to my destination. He didn't say, well, whatever I can find, I can bring home. No, 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 no. He kept his eye on the destination. He kept his sight on where he needed to go. He kept his mind on planning for his journey. He was studying the maps of how to get there. Beloved, many of you have heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again until the day I die. Prayer is no substitute for inaction. Did you get that? Prayer is no substitute for inaction. Prayer is not an excuse for laziness. Prayer is not an opportunity to do nothing. When Moses prayed and lifted up his hands, the people of God under the leadership of Joshua were winning the battle. And Nehemiah said he got his people to build with one hand and hold the sword with the other. The Bible said for us to watch and to pray, both at the same time. The third thing, don't want you to miss that. Eliezer followed instructions. He followed instructions. Sometimes people pray and pray and pray, and their prayer is not effectual. And they wonder why. They're living in disobedience to the instruction manual, and they wonder why God is not answering prayers. But he followed the instructions. He did not disobey the instruction. There are people who pray and pray and pray, and they never hear an answer because their life is filled with bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred. Their life is filled with a critical spirit, and they wonder why God is not answering their prayers, and they wonder why their prayers are not effectual. Remember, it is the prayer of the righteous that is effectual. We saw that in the last message. You see, Abraham's instruction to Eliezer was, go to my relatives in the land of Ur of Chaldeas. The wife of the son of the covenant has to come from a God-fearing stock, not the Canaanites. There are some people who pray, and then God answers their prayer, but they say, no, 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 I need to continue to pray. (laughs) Because 
what God did does not mesh with what they want. And so we'll keep on praying. We'll keep on praying. Wait a minute. Why is that? Oh, well, I'm going to keep on praying until God sees it my way. (laughs) I'm going to keep on praying until I can answer my own prayer. Have you noticed Eliezer did not ask for a miracle? He only asked for a sign. He didn't ask for a miracle. You notice that? What was that all about? He said, oh, I want a supernatural intervention of God because here's what I want. As soon as I see the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth that I've ever laid eyes on, she's the one. Right? Well, she happened to be beautiful, but that's the icing on the cake, okay? A woman who has the gift of gab. Really? No. (laughs) You notice everything he prayed for is to do with character, generosity, hospitality, and self-giving. Isn't it amazing? He wasn't asking for a miracle. (laughs) He was asking for a sign. Eliezer knew that had he asked the wrong woman to give him a drink, she would have said to him, Idiot, help yourself. He would say, "Uh uh-uh, she's not the one. (laughs) Remember again, Isaac is the son of promise. He's the son of the covenant. Isaac's descendant, the Bible said, will be like the stars on the sky, just as God promised. Isaac was the one from whom the Messiah is going to be born. So Eliezer placed a sign If I ask a woman to give me a drink, and she gladly gives it to me, and then she volunteers that she is going to give all my thirsty camels a drink of water. Bingo! I got her. (laughs) She's the one. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Is it wrong in the New Testament to ask for a sign when you're not sure some of the most wonderful Respected by me, preachers and teachers say, in the New Testament we have the Holy Spirit, and we shouldn't be asking for signs. So you say, Michael, what do you say? I'm going to tell you next message. (laughs) But suffice it to say to you, listen to me, beloved friends, I'm getting ready to close. This is very important. Don't ever hesitate to pray specifically. Don't ever hesitate to pray specific prayers. I know there are some wonderful people who are going around saying, well, we should not pray specifically. What if it's not in the will of God? Well, I'm going to give you two things. If you're taking notes, write them down. It will help you out. Number one, when you are obeying God's instruction manual, you will not ask for things that do not glorify God. Did you get that? Say amen. Amen. Second thing, when you are completely trusting in the sovereign plan and choice of God for your life, you're not going to be adamant that God must see it your way. Listen, there are times in my life when I prayed very specifically. And believe it or not, God answered very specifically. But there was one catch. It wasn't on my timetable. 
It wasn't when I wanted. As a matter of fact, I was about to give up praying because it didn't happen when I thought it should happen. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. No, 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 no. You keep on praying. You're first and foremost seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and therefore keep on praying. And God answered specifically in His time, in His time, in His timetable. And so, let me encourage you that when you pray, as you pray, pray dependent on the sovereign God. Pray while you're working and waiting. Pray while you're serving. And the third thing is pray and believe God to do great things for His glory. And then you can be sure He will answer you. He will answer your prayer in His time. So when you come to a fork in the road, what do you do? Pray the will of God. Thy will, not mine, O Lord. But you know, there may be someone here today, this message is really premature for you because you don't know the Lord Jesus in a personal, intimate way as your Savior and Lord. You have to come to the family first before you can call Him Father. And as we pray, wherever you are, the Lord knows where you are, whether you know Him and you're waiting for an answer to prayer, whether you don't know Him in a personal and intimate way and you really want to do, begin that journey today, He's going to hear your prayer. Our precious God, what an incredible God you are. You, know, you never leave yourself without a witness. And Father, we, none of us are here in this place as a happenstance or by circumstances or by accident. But Father, your choice, your sovereign choice have brought us here so we can hear your word, that we be challenged, that we be encouraged and be motivated. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come to every trembling heart. Come and visit every shaking knee. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Come into lives and change it for good and for your glory and forgive the sins of those who have confessed. Father, I thank you that your promise is that when we do confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we rejoice in you today and in your goodness and your grace. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.